another testimony to share. Um, Ron Labry just came up and shared with me right before we started today. Um, Ron has uh, was diagnosed, I don't know, a while back, a while back with macular degeneration. And uh, there's two kinds of forms of that, and uh, one is called dry and one is called wet. If you have the dry form, they can't treat that. It's untreatable, and that was what his diagnosis was. He went to the doctor this week, and the doctor said his, his left eye is weak, but his right eye has now went from dry to wet. And so that means that he got treatment this week. And so consequently, you know, we're believing that God's going to heal that eye and the other eye too. We had a lesson this morning in Sunday school. You know, I was interested in this because in the Sunday school this morning, we had a lesson about the blind man that came to Jesus. And when Jesus prayed for him, he says, what do you see? And he says, well, I see men like trees walking. And he said, oops, here, let's, let's do this again. So he laid hands on him again and prayed for him. And this time he was healed. So, you know, uh, it just shows us that we need to keep trusting God. Keep trusting, you know. And uh, so consequently, I feel like, you know, we trust God to now heal those eyes. So just uh, keep that in your prayers. <clears throat> you know, last week... Uh, Rabbi Hallbrook shared about mountains in our life. And, and you know, I really believe that, uh, you know, when we have those mountains in our life, those times, you know, that, you know, God wants to level those things. And, and, you know, what I notice about mountains is that mountains in our life tend to take away our joy. Mountains tend to take away joy. Did you ever feel like you lost your joy? Did you ever think, you know, I don't think I'm as happy as I used to be. And I think if that's the case, we have to say, well, what happened? What happened? What changed? How do I get my joy back? How do I, how do I keep from losing my joy? You know, I believe, I believe there's a couple things that work. I believe, number one, we never should forget we have an enemy. The Bible says we have an enemy. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And I believe one of the things he wants to do is destroy our joy. Yeah. If he can destroy your joy then you're kind of useless to some extent. I don't know, useless maybe wasn't the right word, but we're, we're in a bad place when we lose our joy. You know, we just kind of are not as um, useful, you know. We're not as useful to do the things that God wants us to because we've lost our joy. And sometimes the circumstances of life can take away our joy. You know, sometimes it's just stuff, stuff happens. You know, some things, are, some things are natural. Some things naturally happen that take away our joy. Sometimes I believe Satan's at work to take away our joy. I believe when natural things take away our joy, I believe Satan sees that as an opportunity to encourage us to lose our joy. You know, I, he's, he's, not, he's an encourager to help us lose our joy, to take it away from us. And so this morning... I want to just take a look at a, just a few. I, I picked out just some things that I, I thought about, some things that can take away our joy. And how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that? You know, can I, can I see that? Am I, can I identify that I'm not as happy as I used to be? Or can I identify, I don't know, it seems like I'm just in kind of a bad place. You know, I don't know how you might identify this, but... Uh, you know, it's important, number one, we identify it and we see it so we can deal with it. I believe one of the biggest things that can take away our joy is the death of a loved one. You know, and I, you know, you, you have a loved one that's close, that you, that you lose a loved one, and it'll affect your joy to some extent. 
And it depends on, on how you deal with it. You know, grief is normal. You know, going through grief is not losing your joy. You know, normally when you, know, you lose a loved one, you're going to grieve. And so that's in itself is not losing our joy. You may think at that point, somebody asks you, you may think you lost your joy, but if you're just normal grieving, you still got your joy. You're just going through this process. You're going through this process. Grief is a process, you know, and usually we want to shorten the process. You know, if most of us are like, well, I want to shorten that process up. I don't want it to last a long time. Well, it's a process. I, you know, you don't know. All I know is this, that when we stay in a state of grief, when we stay there, you're going to lose your joy. You're going to lose your joy if you stay in that condition. You know, Psalm 30, verse 5. It says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You know, there's a period of time. There's a period of time. So grief, there's a time when we grieve. We sorrow. But God doesn't want us to stay there. Stay there. And that's, that's the key. Now, yes, you, we can feel like, well, We've lost our joy, or we may, we may sense that as we grieve. But it's not something we're supposed to stay in. It's not supposed to. We should see that God still has purpose. He has direction. He's taken us on. He's moving us on. And we need to find that. We need to find that so we can have our joy. We can have our joy back. Um, I believe there's a time to heal. There's a time to heal. There's a process. And God wants to heal our hearts. He wants to heal our hearts when we're broken, when we're grieving. His desire is to heal us and get us back to a place of having our joy. Having our joy. And so, you know, death can be one of those things where we feel like, well, I've lost my joy. But what we don't want to do is stay there. What we don't want to do is stay there. You know, we have to realize that God has purpose for us. And we have to realize that, you know, I think I saw something. I see a lot of things. I saw something somewhere this week that says life is a process of preparing for death. <laughs> and, you know, you think about it. Well, I guess that's kind of, you know, I mean, it's like we're alive, but we're all, you know, we're all heading to that death. We're all heading there. So sometimes it's how we even, how we even see death. You know, how do you see it? You know, that'll affect your grieving. That'll affect your grieving, how you see death. You know, the Bible says death is an enemy. Now, yes, it's an enemy, but what does it also say? But because Jesus died and rose again, he's defeated that enemy. So that, you know, now as Christians, we believe and rejoice in the resurrection from the dead. Death has no sting. Death has no victory. So, you know, our looking at death should be completely different. Should be completely different. Now, that doesn't mean you can't grieve. It doesn't mean we don't grieve, you know. But I believe as Christians, we need to know that that's for a time. That's for a, a season. And God would tend to, would want to heal our hearts. And he want to heal us and help us get through it. So we get our joy back. You know, so at least, you know, sometimes as a Christian, I think sometimes it's not that my joy is gone. It's just I don't see it. I can't find it. It's still there. There's just times when I have trouble finding it because I've let other things overshadow it or my mind gets in a place where I think about other things. Your mind is a tremendously strong thing. And, you know, our mind can determine a lot about our joy. 
You know, a lot of it's about how we think and how we see things. Another big one that I think we're facing nowadays is, I think one of the big things that affect your joy is family strife. Family strife, family brokenness. Um, just all the things that we have to deal with in families today. There's just a lot of, a lot of turmoil in families. I, I, I think it's a couple things for me personally. I think it's a couple things. I think number one, I think over the last several years, 30, 40, 50, we've allowed the family's basic structure to deteriorate from God's plan. And I think we've eventually got to ourselves where we accepted the world's plan for the family. And I think that's going to cause a lot of chaos and a lot of strife in families because we're away from God's plan. We're not doing it the way he wants us to do it. You know, families are just in a bad a bad place right now. And I also believe that, you know, Satan knows that the family structure is the basic structure of any society. You know, as the family goes, so goes your society. So goes your community. So goes the things around us. And so I believe there's been a tremendous attack on the family. A tremendous attack on the family. And I believe we're seeing now what happens when that takes place. So we're seeing a lot of strife, a lot of brokenness. Interesting to me, I, I, what I notice is that the world is trying to fix that. You know, the world sees it. They see the problems. They see what's going on. So the world tries to fix it in their own strength with their own intellect and all. And let me tell you this, it won't work. I, I, don't, I don't discredit their trying and I don't discredit their efforts. But I'm telling you, family was God's plan and God's got a family. And until we get back to God's plan... We're going to continue in this mode of strife and brokenness. And that brings a lot of of tension. And it does affect our joy. It does affect our joy. We all need to feel loved. We have a need to feel loved. We have a need to feel cared for and a need to feel accepted. When the family breaks down, you start to lose that. that. You don't feel that love, that care. You don't think you're understood or accepted. And, and when there's a lot of turmoil, then these needs aren't met. These needs aren't met. These things we're looking for aren't met. Now, once it breaks down far enough, I believe then God comes in and God says, you know, I'll be a father to the fatherless. You know, I believe that God will, will take somebody that has a, has a broken down family and he'll say, you know, I'll be your father. I'll be there for you. And how he does that is through his church. He'll do it sovereignly, but he says we're the church. And so I believe then we become instruments of fathering children and being there for children. We're not their father, okay? We're not their father, but we can be there and God can then become their father. But he'll use us. He'll use us. He'll use us. You know, sometimes when we're, people are abused physically or emotionally, You know, people can be abused physically, emotionally. You lose your joy. You lose your joy. I just heard, I heard a sad, a sad story yesterday. A lady was, she was working and Mary and I were sitting there listening to her story. And she was working and we were listening. It was, I won't tell you the situation, but it was, she was working. We were listening. And uh, 
So Mary, you know, she's a quizzer. So she, well, hey, you know, tell me this, tell me that. And so lady starts telling her life. And she tells us she was in an abusive situation in a marriage. Abusive situation. She was being abused physically. And um, she didn't know. She had plans made with her family what to do in case it got so bad. How did her kids to get out of the house? She had strategies to get the kids out of the house to get help if things got that bad. Now that's, you know, that's physical abuse. The sad part was, the sad part was she went to her pastor. And her pastor, she went to her pastor and says, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know. She went to counseling. And she says, you know, I, I feel like I want out. I, I, need, I want to get a divorce. And he said, until he shoots you, you can't have a divorce. Until he shoots you, you can't have a divorce. I was like, now that will affect your joy. That will, you know, what I'm saying is that will affect your joy. Because now, you mean I've got to stay in this situation because God wants me to stay. You know, to this day, as we talk to her some more, guess what? She don't go to church. Uh, You know, I'm not surprised. I'm sad. I'm sad. But, you know, those kinds of things affect your joy. And we as the church... We as the church need to be careful how we help people and don't hinder them from losing their joy, you know? So family strife will always challenge your joy. It'll, 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 it'll challenge your joy. Now, if we're in those situations, what do we do? Well, if it's bad enough, you're worried about him shooting you, get out, okay? <laughs> that's mine, but we're not, you know, that's not really what I'm talking about. It may be, but... Um, you know, get out. But, you know, if you're in those situations, we need to seek the Lord. And we need to seek the Lord. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, there's various kinds of, you know, if, if you're involved in the strife, that can affect you. Um, if you're a grandparent or a parent and you see the strife and it, it's like you're not in it, but it's in your children around you, that will affect you. That will affect your joy. You know, all those things affect us. So, number one, we need to seek the Lord. We need to seek Him for help. We need to not lose sight that He's the one that can level those mountains. He's the one. I believe that sometimes we need to earnestly seek Him. And I would encourage you to fast and pray. You know, um, it's not a magic weapon. It's not, but I'm telling you, that we need to commit sometimes. Say, you know what? This is, this is serious. We need to fast and pray. We need to intercede for families. We need to be proactive spiritually. You know, we fight not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and forces. We need to be proactive to spiritually fight against those things. We need to be willing to forgive. A lot of times when there's strife, when there's, when there's turmoil in the family, A lot of times there's a lot of unforgiveness involved. And we need to be willing to forgive. We need to be willing to forgive. Now, forgiving doesn't mean necessarily that I keep myself. Let me say this. Let's use the extreme. If it's physical abuse, you can forgive, but get out. Okay? It's not forgive and then, oh, I'll just hang around and see if I get abused again. You, You know, forgive. 
but not necessarily stay. But we need to forgive. We need to be willing to forgive. Because if you don't forgive, if you don't forgive those that hurt us, if you don't forgive situations around you, it'll take your joy. Because if you don't forgive, you get bitterness and unforgiveness. That's, that's what you get. When you don't forgive people, you get bitterness and unforgiveness. And when you get bitterness and unforgiveness, try to get your joy. Try to get your joy because you're so angry and you're so, you're so upset and you want, a lot of times we want to just get even. You know, a lot of times I don't, I don't want to forgive because, well, if I forgive, it lets them off the hook. So I'm going to not forgive them just to, keep, just to keep them on the hook so they can get punished. Trust me, you're the one that's going to get punished. And you lose your joy. You lose your joy. Another way that we can lose our joy is we might lose hope for the world and for, our, for life. You know, when you just see so much stuff going on, you just, you know, I don't know. You know, there's so much going on around us. You just think, well, what's the use? There's no future. Things are terrible. Everything's falling apart. Number one, if you think that way, please don't listen to the news. <laughs> you know, my goodness. My, I, 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 you know, a lot of times we're going to bed about 10 o'clock a lot of times. And so what's on at 10 o'clock? But, you know, the Fox News on 36 in Toledo. I can't hardly stand to turn that on because the first five minutes are about all the murders. And if they don't have one in Toledo, they'll go to Chicago. And if they don't have one, they'll go to Cal. You know, they'll tell me about every murder they can find. You know, it's like, is that all? Do we have to hear about every murder? You know, that we don't, obviously. But it's, I feel like I hear about tragedies on California. Not that they aren't there, but, you know, I can start to believe that that's all what life is. And I'm not saying they aren't there. I'm not saying to put your head in the sand. But I'm telling you what. Be careful. Listen to that stuff over and over and over and over, it'll take your joy. It'll take your joy because it's like, oh, what's the use? Where are we going? You know? And (laughs) don't listen to reality TV. You know, the last thing you need is, um, you know, Jerry Springer interviewing two people mad at each other and having a fight on TV. I mean, if you're going through family strife, that's just exactly what you need. You need to turn on the TV and see families exploding in front of you. It'll take your joy. It'll take your joy. You know, there's there's just a lot of that because people attract to that stuff. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of that. Our TVs are full of that stuff. You know, they're full of it. And so be very careful. You know, there was there was some people following Jesus and and they lost their hope. And they they struggled with who he said he was and they they finally they gave up on him. And they they said, you know, they just walked away. They said, I I don't know, can't follow you anymore. Interesting in John six, verse sixty seven and sixty eight, Jesus said to his twelve, Do you also want to go away? You know, all these people are leaving, you know. I don't and he finally says, you know, okay, you guys, you want to go too? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You know, at least Peter, well, Lord, I don't, where are we going to go? Because you have the words of eternal life. 
You have the words of hope. You have the words that will bring us joy. You're the one. You know, other people are, are wandering off and, you know, it looks terrible. Everybody's kind of walking away. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, for me as a pastor, I suppose it would compare to over the next six months if I gradually watch five people a week leave and you get down to, you know, 30, 20, and you go, okay, you guys going to leave too? You know, I, don't, I guess I somehow I relate to this. You know, Peter says, no, Lord. You're the one that has words of eternal life. You're the one that gives us real joy. You're the source. In Romans 15, 12, and 13, and again Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. It's talking about Jesus. It's a prophecy. It says he's going to reign over the Gentiles. It says, in him, the Gentiles shall have hope. In Jesus, we have our hope. We're, we're Gentiles. In him, we have hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the hope of the nations. He's the hope of the nations. When we look at the world around us, when we see everything falling apart, he's our hope. You can try to go anywhere else you want, but he's the one that's going to give us hope. And it says that hope gives us joy, all joy, all joy. That we can have hope and all joy by believing in him. The God of hope is going to fill us with all joy, all joy. The big question is, what are you listening to? What are you listening to? You know, the Bible, uh, Mary said, you know, my soul magnifies the Lord. What are you magnifying in your life? There's plenty of problems out there, but if you magnify them, you're going to lose your joy. You're going to lose your joy. How do you magnify problems? You think about them all the time. You meditate on your problems. You start to think about them. You lose your hope. You lose your joy. What are we listening to? Who has the words of eternal life? If you want your joy, you better listen to him. You better listen to him. Another one, and I know these things are kind of unrelated, but I th these are things that I thought just really can affect our joy. And like I said, there's others. Another one is a feeling of shame. A feeling of shame. You know, some people just have this sense of shame. Guilt. For things they've done things they'd done in their past. David said, remember not the sins of my youth. You know, David said, don't remember, you know, because those things, if I, if I dwell on them, they're going to bring shame. They're going to bring shame. Psalm 103.12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. When God forgives, he removes our transgressions from us. I got to accept that. I accept that by faith in him. And when I accept that, what he has done, because he said he removes them as far as the east is from the west, they're gone, that I have to accept that. And when I accept that, then there is no shame. There's no shame.
for, because of what he has done for me. And then I don't have to lose my joy. Because if you have shame and feel unforgiven, you're going to have a hard time getting your joy or having joy. Because shame just wants to take it away. In Hebrews 8, 12, it says, For I will be merciful to the, their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. I will remember no more. Now the Bible says we need to repent. You know, this isn't just some kind of a magic wand we wave over things and, you know, well, here, let's just kind of do this and this and then it's gone. But it says, the Bible says we need to repent and then we know that our sins are forgiven. Repent is to turn around, to turn away from. And then to know that our sins are forgiven. And remember this, when you go to the Lord and ask him to forgive you for things that he's forgiven you for, he doesn't know what you're talking about. Because he says, I will remember their sins no more. And if he can't remember, then why are you keep bringing it up? You know, I mean, and he's, you know, but really, folks, you know, if he doesn't remember, I keep bringing him up. He goes, you know, excuse me for trying to pretend to be what God would think. But he goes, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Because he doesn't remember our sins no more. And then when we can accept, when we can accept what he does and what he has done, then we know that God forgives and forgets, then it can't affect our joy. In Isaiah 50, verse 7, it says, But the Lord God helps me. Therefore I have not, eat, not been disgraced. Therefore I set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. You know, sometimes you got to set your face like flint. You got to make a decision. You got to decide. You got to set your face like flint and know that you will not be ashamed. And you, a lot of it is getting God's word inside of us and believing and trusting him enough to know that his word is true. You know, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. When I accept that God is true, and that sometimes what I think is a lie, then I can get myself in a place where I accept what he's done and I don't lose my joy. I don't lose my joy. You know, as Christians, we realize that our joy, our joy comes from the Lord. And I just want to, I want to close with a few scriptures that just talk about where our joy comes from. In Philemon, there's a book you don't go to very often. Philemon 1.7. It says, For we have great joy, and consolation your job in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. We have great joy. We get great joy. We get great joy from one another, knowing that our love comes from God and we get that from one another. Great joy. You know, you you know, I just sometimes you just wish you had joy. Let alone great joy, you know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure just exactly where that's at sometimes. But, you know, it says we have great joy. In Second John, Second John, the first chapter, the 12th verse. First John, Second John, the first chapter, the 12th verse. I'll get it right. 
It says, having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that your joy may be full. Godly fellowship. You know, selfishly, part of the reason we get together is to have joy. It's not the total reason, but part of the reason we come to church is for godly fellowship because seeing people face to face gives us joy. It's supposed to. Now, you may say, well, it doesn't always work, and I understand that. There's things that happen. But God's intent is for his people to get together and share love and share joy. And we do it face to face. You know, there's just something about seeing somebody. You know, that's why when people say I stay home and I have church at home, I don't, you know, sometimes I want to say things, but I try not to. But I want to say, yeah, but it's not like seeing people face to face. It's, it's, not, it's not the same. That's not God's intent. God's intent is for us to get together, to get together, to have fellowship so that we can have joy and our joy may be full. So try to be nice to one another when you come to church. <laughs> you know, so you can leave with joy. You know, yeah, we don't always do so good. You know, sometimes we mess up. You know, God forgive us. You know, sometimes we do. But, you know, it, it should be something that gives us joy, seeing one another face to face. And my last, my last scripture is in Nehemiah. In Nehemiah. Nehemiah 8.10. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portion to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, if you feel downtrodden, if you feel weak, if you feel like everything's just not right, the, the remedy is the joy of the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's what's going to give you strength to go through things. And so we don't want to be robbed of our joy because it takes our strength. And so I believe we need to see things in life. You know, I shared a few. There's others. There's other things that will rob your joy. But know that God wants to return that joy. His desire is sorrow for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Because he knows better than you and me that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what makes us strong. And when we lose it, we're weak. We're weak. We're not as useful. We're not as useful. Joy comes from reading God's word, not the world. The world is not going to give you joy. The world is not going to give you joy. The world didn't give it to you and the world can't take it away. The world is not going to give you joy. It's the Word of God. It's trusting Him, understanding Him and who He is and what He's done for us. And understanding that He wants us to have joy. His desire is for us to have joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's His desire for us. Sometimes we've got to fight for it. 
Many times when you're going through a hard time, you will fight for it. But you better be willing to fight. Because if you don't fight, you're going to lose it. And you're going to lose your strength. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence with us this morning. Lord, I just pray for anyone that's in a place where they feel like they lost their joy. The Lord, you would just uh, encourage them. Remember that it's your desire for them to have your joy. Your joy. So, Lord, just help them to be willing to fight for that. Help them to be willing to fight for what has been robbed from them. Lord, we just thank you for your presence with us. Lord, I pray if uh, anyone that maybe feels like they've lost their joy or would like prayer, Lord, you'd encourage them to let someone pray for them or they come up and let our prayer team pray for them this morning. Lord, I just pray that uh, we might go forth in your joy and in your strength. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.